Middle Church, it is delicious to say your name. Hmm. I so wish I could be in the room where it happens this morning in the East Village of New York City. And unfortunately, I have had multiple flight cancellations because of the thunderstorms. But we will worship and worship well in all of the sanctuaries you have created this morning. In today's scripture, Abraham was called to set out for a place, not knowing where he was going. Abraham's story in Hebrews is our story. We are all called to set out for a place not knowing where we are going. The last time I worshiped with you in person was November of 2019. At that time, I felt called to set out for a place where I did not know where I was going. My father, who is beloved to me, had been told hospice was the best option after a six-year battle with cancer. And I felt called to leave New York City, which had been home for 15 years, and leave my job at Middle Church, where I was the director of communications for nine years, and go and be with my dad and his final months. I like to believe I have a strong faith. (laughs) But life has a way of continually inviting us to set out to places where our fears reside and face those fears. At the time, the thought of my father dying and separation from him in an embodied form was my greatest fear. I can remember sitting up in my parents' guest room and praying to God, could you just not take this one? I wasn't sure how I was going to live without the one person who believed in me the most. I understand that many of us have very complicated relationships with our earthly parents. And I observed my dad to be a humble, caring, and generous soul. My father had a favorite line of poetry that I heard numerous times growing up, but I am not quite sure where to find this beloved poem of his in the library behind me that is his library. But that poem was so repeated that the gist of it remains clearly on my heart. It said something like, you will come to the Red Sea And God won't always allow you to go around the Red Sea. God will not always allow you to go 
over the Red Sea. God will not allow you to go under the Red Sea. But God will see you through that Red Sea. God will make a way. And in those final months of my dad's life, I kept asking God, how, God, are you going to part this Red Sea? (laughs) How am I going to get through this? God does not stop the death of our loved ones. God doesn't stop the death of our lives. These are parts of living. But God gives us friends to see us through waters that we don't know will calm. God gives us God's presence when we don't know if the waters will part. Last summer and fall, I had the honor of taking a class that was the best experience of my seminary studies. It was called Clinical Pastoral Education. It's basically a boot camp for pastoral care. And often this course, which is experimental education, hands-on, takes place in trauma hospitals. But last summer, I did my clinical pastoral education in a rural southwestern Michigan church where my parents have been members for decades. And while I was in clinical pastoral education, I had the opportunity to write and give my father's eulogy and to write and offer one of his best friends eulogies who died just last summer. What we learned in this boot camp for pastoral care is that we as humans want to fix everything. I want to fix everything. And we want the pain to go away. However, sometimes listening and being with one another's pain is the most powerful thing we can do. Sometimes being present and saying nothing is the best thing. Sometimes the greatest gift we give to one another is simply to be there for one another and to remind each other that God is present. In their trials, in our trials, God may not fix or change them, but God's presence is here. Now, in New York City, (laughs) that might not be an acceptable answer. And it might not be an acceptable answer in southwestern Michigan either. It is human that we want action. We want change. And not just any change, the change that we envision. I turn my attention back to the scripture Back to Abraham. Abraham's story in this passage is everyone's story. Abraham's story in Hebrews today is what Joseph Campbell calls the hero's journey. 
Joseph Campbell was a professor at Sarah Lawrence College, just north of New York City. And Joseph Campbell studied all the world's religions, and he researched cultures and great literature and great film, and he came to the conclusion that all the stories are one story, the hero's journey. And each person, each of us, each of you, has a call and calls on their life. We are all called to separate from what we know. And when we hear the voice of God, we usually resist it, like Moses did. Not me, God. Not me. And then after a while, many heroes follow the call. But it is a choice. And once you say yes to the call, there are obstacles. There are dragons that appear in the path. And each of those dragons are our fears. And in the process of slaying each dragon, we face the fear and we become more of who we are. And upon saying yes to this journey, doors open that were not there before and helpers emerge for us to get through. Now, on this journey, we face the dragons, we go through the series of fears, and then we return home different than when we came. And a part of the hero's journey is to tell the story of where we've been to others. So others are comforted and encouraged as they hear the calls on their life and claim the courage to follow their call, not always knowing where they are going. And the hero's journey, this happens again and again and again. Called to be an actor, called to write an album, called to plant a blueberry farm, called to be a parent, called to be a caregiver to a parent, called to create, called to write, called to depart to a place you have not been, called to find your voice on a topic that you have not spoken about before publicly, called, called to work for voting rights and Black Lives Matter, called to work for reproductive rights. And Abraham is reminded before he sets out that the faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. And in this text, in Hebrews, it lists that the all that the ancestors did by faith. So after the part that I read today, the next part lists all that the ancestors have done by faith. It says, by faith, people passed through the Red Sea. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for months after he was born. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. 
And it is important to journal and reflect, think and pray, and name and claim how faith has gotten you through and how faith has gotten your ancestors through. Because staying where we are and resisting God's call on our lives is extremely human and always tempting. But to say yes now, sometimes we have to look back at what our ancestors had the strength to do. Sometimes we have to look back at the faith that got us through earlier in our lives and claim those and name those so we can take the first step now. Now, I was called to ministry as a teenager. I could hear God calling me into this for some time. Next week, I will have my 45th birthday. We don't say yes to all of our calls right away. (laughs) When I was a teenager, I witnessed what I called the hypocritical acts of the church, where the United Methodist Church was unwelcoming and would not ordain gay clergy. And when I felt called to speak up and organize for my gay siblings, I found myself in a bitter political fight that I could have not anticipated when I was 17 years old. The dragons seemed too big and my body did not know how to navigate the conflict and the trauma that the church sometimes inflicts. After college, I followed my callings to work at a public radio program in Ukiah, California, of all places. And then I came to New York City for graduate school in journalism. And in 2011, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis invited me either to join the board of Middle Church or join the staff. I worked at Middle Church as the director of communications for nine years. And people would ask me, why don't you go to seminary? And I would say, I think, I think I'll go when I'm 40. As my father's health declined and as my 40th birthday was on the horizon, I applied to seminary. And I graduated this June. <laughs> and within days of my graduation, my mom's church asked me if I would be their pastor. A door opened I had not anticipated to a United Methodist Church, a place I called home as a child. The life of faith is not for the faint of heart, as my mentor Giovanna reminds me often. And the life of faith is not the advertised life. Abraham is a person living in tents. An itinerant life, he does not own an apartment in New York City, nor does he even rent one. His God is not the God of money or status, position or power. 
He is seeking a foundation that is built by God. Hmm. And God appears to Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. And when God appears to Abraham and Sarah, they are in their elderhood. And an angel appears to Hagar after Abraham and Sarah have sent Hagar and their son away and banished them. Abraham and Sarah didn't want anything to do with Hagar. Now, when I think of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar in Genesis, they thought they had taken their journeys already. They believe they are done and they are near death. They are ready to die. And God says to each of them, I am not through with you yet. God says, you, you, you will create more. You will bear children more innumerable than the grains of sand on the seashore. The children of Hagar and Sarah and Abraham go on to be the founders of Christianity, of Judaism, of Islam. But Abraham and Sarah and Hagar don't live to see how God will fulfill God's promises. They have to follow their call, knowing that they will die before they know how the rest of the story is written. God says, I am never done with you. I will always be with you. And I will continue this story after you become an ancestor. Now the homelands that we are seeking are not made of 401k plans and they're not made of any homes of any kind of status. The homelands that we are seeking is a place of God's visioning. This homeland is a place that we seek to live in now, not one day, long in the future, and not one day in heaven. In much of the world, the lectionary readings that the world has been reading this past month is from the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke, Luke tells the story of a homeland where there is a good Samaritan a neighbor to help out another neighbor. God tells in the Gospel of Luke a story where there is a place where we can sit at Jesus' feet and be in Christ's presence of love and peace and healing. Mm, That is a home I would like to go to. And God gives us permission not to always do everything on our lists or be overcome with things like Martha, but to sit at Christ's feet and take in Christ's peace and Christ's healing in God's homeland. And in God's homeland, in the Gospel of Luke, we are invited 
that we do not have to keep our callings and our gifts and our financial resources to ourselves. There's no space for hoarding in the gospel of Luke. But we are to give away what we are called to. We are to give away our gifts. This is the homeland that God wants for each of us. And as we set out to be in that homeland now, we will need the faith of our ancestors. We will need the faith that has gotten us through before. We will need the faith that is present to us now. We have gotten through the Red Sea. And when I went through the Red Sea, afterwards I was introduced to a relationship with my father as an ancestor. And I have a new relationship with the ancestors who have come before me. As we are called to go to places we have not been before, we will face dragons, we will face our fears, and we will be led to a homeland. Abraham had a tent. Middle Church, we have a rental space, YouTube, Facebook, and a homepage. And together, wherever we are, we are creating sanctuaries in the presence of God. Everywhere we are. May it be so. Amen, Middle Church.